Good morning, Lakeside family. I hope you had a great Christmas. If you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Kegel. I'm an elder here at Lakeside Church. Today, we're going to be talking about anger. A Sunday school teacher was discussing the Ten Commandments with her five and six-year-olds. After explaining the commandment to honor thy father and mother, she asked, is there a commandment that teaches us how to treat our brothers and sisters? Well, missing a beat, one little boy answered, Thou shalt not kill! Thou shalt not kill! I remember a time, speaking of thou shalt not kill, my brother had this whistle. And I was studying in my room for some test. He came in and blew it so loudly. I told him to leave, and not much later, he poked his head in and blew the whistle again. This happened a few times, until the last time his head entered the room. He went to blow that whistle, he blew it, and the next thing he knew was me turning around with my hand out in front of me, running, him, running right at him. I grabbed his neck and threw him up against the wall. Just the look on his face at the time gave me such pleasure. I remember the rush and thrill as I released that anger on my brother. It was intoxicating. Speaking about it now gives me some little bit of a high as well. Some of you sitting on your couches would probably agree with me at the time he got what he deserved. He was being a jerk and I had every right to do what I did. I'm sure we all have a story about anger, how it took control of us. I want you to look back minutes, hours, days, months, years in your life where you have felt anger. The question I would like to ask you is did that anger ever benefit that situation? I thought long and hard and I can tell you out of the many times that I remember getting angry, I do not really remember one single time that anger ever benefited a situation. I'm not alone, right? When you look at all the times you have gotten angry, how often would you say your anger was beneficial to that situation? Actually, maybe you should not ask yourself, but ask that friend, family member, employee, or whoever, if that anger helped. Would they agree that your anger towards them helped them, or that anger benefited the situation? This reminds me of a, another little story that I read. A young mother and her little boy were driving down the street. The little boy asked, Mommy, why do the idiots only come out when Daddy drives? We get angry, and we tell ourselves we have the right to be angry. But very few times, or at all, our anger even helps the situation. We tell ourselves, I have the right to be angry. 
And this is what I believe most of us get caught up on. We believe we have the right to be angry when we get angry. We take passages like Jesus getting angry. And we tell ourselves Jesus was allowed to be angry. Then I have the right to be angry. Jesus turned over tables. He got angry with the hypocritical Pharisees. We look at a passage like Ephesians 4.26, which says, In your anger, or other translations say, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your, while you're still angry. We tell ourselves, the Bible says it's okay for me to be angry. The Bible does elaborate on a righteous anger. But we often believe that our anger is always righteous. But let me ask you this. If you were to get angry, let loose like Christ did, do you really believe in your sinful state that you could let loose like Christ did and not sin? I know I would not be able to. I know that if my anger elevated to just a small percentage of what Jesus must have been feeling, I can honestly tell you that my anger would be driven by sin. At this point, some of you are probably sitting there thinking, who gives this guy the right to call me out on my anger? Maybe you're getting a little bit angry yourself right now. Well, I'm not here to judge. For I understand anger. In my own life, I understand that anger is one of the hardest emotions to keep in check. So I'm with you in that struggle with anger. Although the Bible illustrates that there is a righteous type of anger, I believe that the Bible teaches us more often than not, to rid ourselves of anger. Why? Because we are a fallen, sinful people. Today we are going to look at the two main passages that people look at when they look at anger. First was the Ephesians passage, and seconds, second it will be uh, the passage in James. The two passages from these books will help us understand anger better. Ephesians 4, 26-31 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of, right, or for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And we see in James 1, 19-20 it says, 
My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. In these two passages, we see a wealth of knowledge attributed to understanding anger. I want to state again that anger itself is not a sin. There is an anger that is right to express. And we see this type of anger expressed by God. We see this anger expressed by Jesus throughout history. But they are capable to, capable to do so because they have no sin. For us, anger is a difficult, different story. Because we live with a nature of sin that battles within us. And we see this in Romans 7. So as we look at these scriptures in lieu of this truth, I believe these scriptures are teaching us not how to have a righteous anger, but to be weary of this anger that we have within us. As you read Paul's thoughts here in Ephesians 4, the main point I believe he's getting across is not to be angry. What, is he, what he is explaining for us is that anger is a very dangerous and destructive emotion to the Christian, their life in Christ, and the body of Christ. Paul is warning us that our anger can so easily come from and be expressed by us in a wrong way. Paul gives us three warnings here in 26 to 27 about anger. The first one, do not sin. Paul is warning us here that in our anger, we can sin so very easily. In our anger, how often does it create rage, fear in the person that we're being angry at, sadness in the person we're being angry at, hate, division, amongst family and friends, pain, strife, hurt, quarreling, and the like. In any given situation, how often does it hurt our witness to others about Christ? How often do we as parents, when we get angry with our child, and the first thing that we do is say to, say to them something hurtful, or create fear in them, or spank them too hard. Because our anger is out of control. When we get angry with our spouse, friend, how often do these outcomes occur? Anger is often the cause of what breaks up homes and marriages. Anger often leads to divorce, physical, emotional, and psychological abuse. And the damage that it does to that person. How often do we ruin or hinder our relationships by our anger? Our anger is often more hurtful than beneficial. Because it's, it can so easily, as I said before, be controlled by our sinful nature. I came across this story. Two men driving in South, Carol, Carol, South California, sorry, got into 
A battle of road rage after one cut the other off in a parking lot. And instead of just ending it there, the hot-headed men sped out of the parking lot in a fit of rage, chasing and driving recklessly, dodging and weaving in and out of traffic. They endangered a lot of lives before one finally forced the other to careen out of control. The driver frantically tried to regain control, but in the process, an innocent little girl on a nearby sidewalk was killed. A young life was taken simply because two men became angry at each other. Paul says also, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Why would Paul say this? Paul is giving us another warning. He gives us a period of time like 24 hours, I think it is here. The time period I do not think is that important. What is important to note is that what happens if our anger does not get resolved fast? It begins to fester, right? Paul is telling us here to resolve our anger quickly or that anger will get worse and be more destructive than it already is. On the other hand as well, it could be saying that if for some miraculous reason we are experiencing an anger in a righteous way, the longer we let anger go on, the more chance our sinful nature will take control of it. Whatever the case may be, what Paul is warning us here to do is to resolve anger fast because it can so easily get out of control. Paul finally warns us here that our anger can give the devil a foothold on us. Not that I believe this happens often, but Paul is saying the longer we let our anger exist, the more chance the devil has a chance to take a foothold. What does he mean by this? Well, if the devil takes a foothold, what do you think would happen? He would take that anger and feed it till he brings about a greater sin or a greater evil. Paul says, anger gives the devil a chance to exert his influence on us. So we need to be careful. We need to rid ourselves of it. As we move to the end of this passage, we see Paul saying to actually rid ourselves of anger. Bitterness rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, or the act of being spiteful, are all examples of how our anger manifests sinfully in us. The word here, rid, means to completely stay away from. Sinful anger, we are to flee from at all times, for it leads to all things spoken of here, which are not conducive to the Christian life, not conducive 
to building the church, the body of Christ. We see this also in Colossians 3.8. But now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. The word for rid is seen in another passage, Hebrews 12, that's, that says this. Hebrews 12.1 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off or rid ourselves of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run, the per run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Anger expressed by a fallen people is one such emotion that hinders many things. It hinders us. It hinders our relationships. It hinders our life as we go forth and live for Christ. It entangles us into doing wrong things. Sinful anger is destructive. It acts like a tidal wave. If you saw a tidal wave coming your way, what would you do? Would you just stand there? Or would you run like crazy? Right? This is what Paul says of our sinful anger. Run from it. As we move on, we're, we're going to move on to, into uh, the passage found in James. In James 1, 19-20, James outright tells us, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does what? Produce righteousness? No, it does not produce the righteousness that God desires. He tells us right out that human anger does not produce good. The good that God wants to see in us. What James is saying here is that is what many of the Proverbs teach us. That those who are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, are seen as wise people, who are in the right, and do the right thing. On the flip side, those who do not listen, who speak without thought, and who are hasty in becoming angry, are seen as fools, and those who do not do the right thing. Now when he says, be slow to anger, here he is telling us that it should take much before we even get angry. It relates to what the Bible says about God. That God is patient. Another word for this patience that the Bible speaks of for God is long-suffering. God suffers much before he becomes angry. This is what James is saying to us. Slow to anger means we should not get angry so easily. That it should take much effort before we even start to become angry. And why is that? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God.
I heard an interview from a Christian counselor named David Paulson that spoke of the sinful anger that we often embody. I'm paraphrasing, but he states that it is an expression of, I am not pleased with what is going on. I presume, it presumes that things are not happening the way I want them to. We act as though we are God. And when things don't go my way, I get angry and punish you or sulk or passively aggressively do something because you're not giving me what I want. And so you are in the doghouse. He also states, as one of the most powerful verses that he has come across to help him control his anger, it's found in James 4.12. And he says, this is one of the most convicting and sobering passages that he has come across. Where here, anger and arguing and quarreling is in the context of what is going on in the passage. It says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you. Who are you to judge your neighbor? It peels back and exposes to its core our sinful anger. That sinful anger comes from my selfishness. As fallen people, we often do. Sorry. As fallen people, how often do you believe that your anger does not come from your own selfishness. One final thought as I read these letters from Paul and James is the passages are not talking to those that we believe have done us wrong. That's not their focus. They are not talking to us, the ones Or they are talking to us, the ones who are getting angry. It is not about what makes us angry, but how we respond, how we think, how we react, how we in our anger are vulnerable to sin and the devil. If we allow ourselves to be angry, if we allow it to control us, the likelihood of our anger to be right is rare. The likelihood of it being sinful is more likely. The anger would take control and destroy our relationships. It will destroy us as well. It will just destroy family. It would destroy friends. Friendships. Destroy the Continuity of the body of Christ. Whatever the situation, we need to be careful not to be angry. Be careful not to let anger get the better of us. Now on a side note, I'm not diminishing the wrong someone has done to us or another. 
I'm not saying what they have done to us or someone else should not come with some sort of consequence. That we should not stand against wrong when it is done to others or ourselves. What I am saying is that we need to be careful not to let anger be the emotion driving our thoughts and actions when this happens. I believe good anger does exist. The problem is, is that we are a fallen people. And I can't see us in our anger often being righteous. But there probably is that rare occurrence. So now what? You say, if our anger is often driven by sin, or is driven by sin, that, is, that it is something as Christians we should get rid of it, how do I do that? The fact is that in our fallen state, we're all prone to being angry, and we will get angry from time to time, even if we try our best to overcome it. It will be one of the biggest battles we will ever face within us. What can be done to help us rid, get rid of human anger? Or at the very least, control that action or the actions of our sinful nature or our sinful anger? Here are a few thoughts that I hope will help. I'm sure there are many answers, many steps one takes to overcome angry. But as I have read scripture, there's one thing that stood out among the rest to combat anger. And that was the development of love, right? Love would, would be, or would seem to be, a really good answer to overcoming anger, right? But actually, when partnered with anger, Scripture alludes to another trait. That trait is patience. I found that patience was more often than not found to be connected to anger and how to control it, how to not become angry. Here are a few of those passages. James 1, 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Proverbs 19.11 A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 29.11 Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. Ecclesiastes 7.9 Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. As we see in these passages, patience seems to be the key character trait to controlling anger. The words used in these passages that translate 
into patience in the English illustrate this meaning. Patience in respect to persons, long-suffering, as well endurance, putting up with things or circumstances, and finally, perseverance. With this understanding, being patient in times when we get angry makes sense, right? Often when we get angry, it is because we are impatient with what is happening around us. So how do I become patient? I've written a few ideas um, to help us control and, and, and develop patience. Control anger and develop patience. Galatians 5.22 but the, fruit of, or but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. The first step we need to do is give our lives over to Christ. If you have not done that yet, then it would be impossible to overcome or control your sinful anger. We are given the Spirit when we give our lives over to Christ who is the source of patience and helps us to develop patience when we give our lives over to Christ. On a side note, if this is the fruit we are to produce, I do not see anger among them. As well, as, or as well, I do not believe in being angry we can bring about any of these fruit. 2 Corinthians 5.19 or 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Christ has given you the strength. Christ is your strength to free yourself from anger's control. Second, think about Christ's life. If we are to be like Christ and see him as our example, I am yet to find a passage where Jesus got angry because of something that was done to him. Perfect example is the cross. In all that they put him through and did to him. Anger was not at the forefront of his mind. As we see him hanging on the cross, Jesus is not getting angry with those below him. But he asks God, Jesus asks God to forgive them. 1 Peter 2.21 Third, think about how you are just as sinful and broken as anyone else. And we see this in Matthew 7, 3-5. Fourthly, be quick to listen and slow to speak. As much as we want to get angry, develop a listening ear. Bite our tongue. Listen to people and hear them out first before reacting. 
James 1, 19. 5. God is working everything out for your good. So understand that those things that cause us to be angry are things God is using to work out His good in us. Romans 8, 28. And finally, number 6, pray for patience. 1 John 5, 14-15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. It is God's will that we purge ourselves of anger. This sinful anger that as a fallen people, we tend to express. This verse, we see that if God wills us to do it, and we pray to Him, God wills that we get rid of this anger, and if we pray to Him, He will help us with that. May we be patient as our God is patient. May we be patient with others as God is patient with us. May we develop patience to overcome our anger.